thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. Certainly stories of the last few weeks and stories that may not have made the front page of the news, but certainly are important in our journeys as we move forward, but also look back as well. Now, a recent report by the independent and independent panel on the ethics and credibility of South Africa's news media was published. The panel was headed up by the retired judge, Kathy Satchwell, and was commissioned by the South African National Editors Forum, or SANEF. On the line with us is Pippa Green. She's a veteran journalist and outgoing press ombudsman. Pippa, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Michelle, and hello to the listeners. Thanks for having me. Pippa, let's look at uh, some of the summarized thoughts of this particular report. What stuck out for you? Well, Michelle, let me just say overall, I think it's an excellent review and history of the media in the country. It really goes into a lot of aspects. One of the principal things I think that its intention was initially was to look at some of the, 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 the errors the media have made. So, for instance, the rogue unit stories, um, the, the kind of stories that were in the Sunday Times and that were subsequently taken to the press council, to the ombud. That was before I was there, I should hasten to add. But um, nonetheless, it became a much broader report and also into the sustainability of the media, which is quite interesting. So in so far as she looks, they, uh, what they've done, I think it's the first time it's happened. As part of the investigation, they got a researcher to do quite a lot of research on how the press council works. We, we don't have time to do it at the press council because there are too few of us. But this young researcher really analysed all the complaints and looked at their implications. And I think that's made a great contribution to the the principle of voluntary self-regulation. So hmm. that's probably important in what she's done. You know, one of the things that it does refer to is the Global Disinformation Index, and those numbers are disturbingly high. I mean, that 41% of South Africans mis- distrust the media and that a huge amount, 70%, have difficulty in understanding the difference or distinguishing the difference between what is fake news and what is real news. Let's look at that latter part, the difference between fake news and real news. How are we going to tease that issue apart? Well, I, and I think, it's, I think it's critical, and I think that that's, you know, one of the, one of the points about media ethics is to know who you can trust. And I don't think it's a South African thing. I'd venture to say it's probably it's probably pretty international. Yeah. One of the problems, Misha, as you know, is social media. You've just been talking about that, you know, the better part of it on your show. But social media doesn't have the same standard of ethics to meet as <clears throat> as kind of print or online media which subscribes to a to a press code. Mm. So that's one of that's one of the issues, you know. It's a it's a tough battle. My my only um, solution really is that the the media who do subscribe to codes of ethics, who do check that things are correct, who do allow people the right of reply, all of those those ethical boxes we tick, actually just have to carry on doing their thing because soon. Uh, it will become apparent that they that you you would go to one particular website for news rather than another. I don't mm. want to give a South African example, but 
Um, in the American example, you, you you might want to go to the New York Times for site for for news because you know that it's checked, that it's ethical, and that if they make a mistake, and I think this is the most important thing in compare in distinguishing fake news from real news, is that if a mistake is made, any <clears throat> any ethical publication should take steps to rectify it and should take steps to apologize. Whereas fake news doesn't go down that path. You know, Pippa, I hear you and I hear you talk about media apologizing, but sometimes the apology is not necessarily enough. And specifically, I'm thinking of the Sunday Times issue with the Rogue Unit, as recently as the Daily Mavericks Jacques Poe story. That apology it doesn't uh, it doesn't stop the impact that that story will have had on perception on uh, process and the like well i'm not sure that i agree completely okay. i think that a i think that a proper apology you know there, there's no way that one is going to go through life in the media or anywhere else and not, not making make a mistake sure you you have to you know even if you try your best you will spell a name wrong you might get a date wrong, little things. You might do make even worse mistakes through through malice or through mm. recklessness. And I think that the, that is the kind of thing that we have to look for, look for is is to try and stop is recklessness and malice. Mm. But if there is and the 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 stories that were that were aimed at at basically I think completely undermining SARS a few years ago, the revenue service, mm. were a combination of malice and recklessness. But you've got it, the, the counter to that is a self-regulatory body that, that's an, a, an outside body, an outside arbiter that says, actually, none of these stories tick the boxes of journalism. Mm, yes. they, so, they, so they have to be, they, they, there's a credibility issue now, you know, one big newspaper group does not belong to the press council, the only the only big one, and it's 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 also the subject of some scrutiny by the Satchwell report. Yes. And the 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 problem is I I know you know, it, it, for instance people come and complain to us about particular stories and there's been some quite extraordinary claims made in their reports, but there is no recourse for people who've been harmed. With except to except to go to law, except to go to court. So that so yes, in short, the uh, if an apology is not a lot, but it's a lot more than nothing, and it's a lot hmm. it's a lot easier and a lot more rational than invoking invoking courts and litigation at every every time something, you know, something has been has been wrong. Yeah. You mentioned um, also the concept of sustainability. Um, this is obviously something that all media is consistently engaging with because we are seeing shifts and changes in how people use the media, also the impact of social media, etc. Uh, how does the report look to that? Well, I think it, you know, I think it paints quite a quite a scary picture mm. actually of of the sustainability of the media, the the drop in, in circulation of the print media, the drop in advertising, all of that you must remember just came out um a few months ago and we hadn't seen the effects of the the lockdown 
on hmm. particularly the print media then you know the the were and things are very uh, i i think the media is in quite a tight squeeze at the moment because traditionally it's a, it's relied on advertising and advertising obviously is predicated on circulation and circulations have dropped and the and the economy has has slowed down considerably so advertising has dropped so that so journalism to survive has to think of innovative ways to continue <laughs> uh, we can't rely on the kind of the old formula anymore but yeah. i do think and 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 the problem with moving online as you pointed out is that is that you compete with a lot of noisy noisy voice, voices at yeah. half of which may be fake news and um so if journalism does migrate online because it's more sustainable or it's more rational or it's cheaper than printing you know my one of the things that they could do to distinguish themselves from fake news is to flag very strongly that they belong to a body that um that enforces a code of ethics and it's a, it's not a government you know body that invokes censorship but a voluntary self-regulatory body as they have in other countries as the sexual report pointed out too for example in Canada yeah in closing it is uh, the summary certainly is very very interesting and it's of well i'm sure the whole report is but i'm af- i'm afraid i got through the summary um but it's a powerful report it's an important report and it's something that even if you're not in the media you should maybe take a little bit of time to read even if you do just read the summary would you would you agree with that oh absolutely and i think that the anecdote you know the stories the investigation the research is really interesting but it's a it's an an amazing overview of the media industry in the country yeah. in the country and it tells it tells a, uh, an interesting story so very well worth a read i would say to everyone get out go and read the summary you may have a busy life and not be able to read all of it nevertheless it's a good one thank you very much to pippa green veteran journalist and outgoing press ombudsman the report by the independent panel on the ethics and credibility of south african news media was published and uh, you can go to sanif and you'll be able to see it there that is the south african national editors forum the panel was headed by retired judge kathy satchwell it's 10 to 8